Welcome, and thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. According to the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, allergies are the sixth leading cause of chronic illness in the U.S., with an annual cost in excess of $18 billion. More than 50 million Americans suffer from allergies each year. Hay fever, also known as allergic rhinitis, is a common condition that causes sneezing, stuffy nose, runny nose, watery eyes and itching of the nose, eyes, or the roof of the mouth. Allergic rhinitis can be seasonal or perennial and can occur in spring, summer, and early fall. Here to talk to us about respiratory allergies is Texas Tech Physicians Allergist and Immunologist, Dr. James Tarbox. Dr. Tarbox, thanks for coming on our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, what your expertise is, and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? So my name is James Tarbox. I'm a uh, board-certified allergist and immunologist, and I treat patients for a broad range of allergies, uh, along with asthma and uh, immunodeficiencies. So can you tell us what are respiratory or breathing allergies? So some of the most common symptoms that people complain about would be uh, runny nose, uh, nasal congestion, itchy eyes. You can also have trouble with wheezing or breathing. And for that, a lot of people attribute that to asthma. And so those are some of the uh, main symptoms people can have from allergies. Do they sometimes trigger skin reactions or vice versa? Yeah, they, they definitely can. Uh, a lot of people who have uh, allergic rhinitis or runny nose and asthma, they can have eczema, which is basically just allergic skin. And, and those tend to kind of group together as far as uh, kind of an allergic march. And, and yes, they, they can definitely go together. What's the difference between that and a cold or sinus, or possibly even COVID-19? As far as uh, allergies are concerned, one of the main ways to separate allergies from, you know, cold, flu, or COVID-19 is, you know, do you get kind of like an itchy nose, itchy eyes? Does your nose run a lot? Do you tend to have symptoms, you know, fairly regularly, like every fall, especially starting in August or September, you notice your symptoms tend to come about and last for months. I mean, to separate that from a cold or flu or COVID, those tend to be a little more acute, only lasting, you know, a few days to symptoms lasting a week or two. I mean, COVID, you have long COVID. That's a whole separate issue. As far as uh, COVID versus the flu, those tend to overlap a lot as far as shortness of breath, cough, fevers, chills, muscle aches hallmark signs of COVID is you tend to lose your uh, sense of smell more that you don't quite usually have, have that happen with the flu. And also COVID tends to get more uh, GI illness. And lately they've even talked about earaches. As far as the cold, common cold, I mean, you can lose your sense of smell some. You don't usually get a, a high fever with a cold. And you hope a cold doesn't last for more than a couple days to a week or two at most. You mentioned certain times of year for allergies. Are all of them seasonal, or can it come during any time of the year? 
Yeah, so the, the way we normally look at allergies from a seasonal standpoint is trees, tree allergies usually happen in the spring, even though you can, especially in central Texas with cedar, it can happen in the winter and early spring. Uh, early summer is usually grasses, but that can also happen a little bit in the fall. Weeds, which is fall allergies, um, usually we're talking about ragweed and, and West Texas tumbleweed. And then you can get year-round allergens as far as, especially if you have pets, dogs or cats, and dust mites are a year-round allergen. And then uh, mold, while it's more in the summer and winter, depending on how much rain we've had or if you have water damage, uh, that can happen year-round too. Can allergies ever become a serious danger to our health? Uh, yeah, they it, it can. I mean, I would say for the most part, people who have you know, typical seasonal allergies or perennial allergies, they tend to do fairly well, but you do have some people who can get, uh, you know, if you have a significant wheezing or an asthma attack, you can end up in the hospital. Uh, a few people, you can get tongue swelling, throat swelling, and then a completely separate subject, which, you know, could have a, its entire podcast of its own food allergy can be uh, very serious. So how do you treat allergies? You know, a lot of it depends on your symptoms. Uh, if you're having a uh, runny nose or itchy eyes, you can try uh, over-the-counter antihistamines, intranasal steroids and eye drops. You can do uh, saline rinses for your nose, for your skin. You can do topical steroids. Uh, beyond that, uh, usually once it gets past that point, you'll go see a, you know, your primary care physician or an allergist who can try prescription medicines. And then uh, an allergist can offer allergy shots. Can we prevent allergies? That, that's a little more difficult because you're, you're fighting against uh, genetics and the environment you're raised in. With food allergies, you can introduce certain foods, um, especially you know, eight, of the most, eight of the most common food allergens, which are milk, egg, peanut, tree nut, fish, shellfish, wheat, and soy. If you, if you try to introduce those in the first four to six months of life, that can um, dramatically reduce your chance for food allergy. As far as environmental allergies, there's been you know, some studies showing that if you're exposed to dog and maybe cat early in life, that can lessen your chance. Uh, there's a lot of work going on right now with you know, what bacteria you get, you get exposed to as an infant. That may be a possibility. So who is most at risk for allergies? And is this something that happens as we get older? I would say the, the people most at risk are those who have parents who have allergies because a large component of allergies, it, it is genetic. Beyond that, it depends on what type of environment you're in, how much allergy you get exposed to. I mean, people who do a lot of yard work, your chances of being allergic to the environment are much higher. If you have several pets, that can increase your chance. As far as developing allergies as you get older, I mean, that can happen but it's more common just to have allergies, you know, starting in infancy and progressing through your entire life. How can someone avoid problems with allergies? For example, if they move to a new house or apartment or across the state or country, or if they come in contact with somebody who has a pet? Well, the, the problem with allergies, because I get this question a lot, is, you know, if, I, if I'm allergic to West Texas, what if I move somewhere else in the state? Or what if I move to... Arizona or California, 
And what we've started to realize is once you've, you know, you reach that state of being an allergic person, no matter where you live, you'll start developing allergies where it is. You, you may get this kind of honeymoon period of maybe a couple of years in a new city where you're like, oh, I feel great. But then over time, you'll just start reacting to the trees or weeds that are there. As far as switching apartments or houses, I guess part of that would depend on, you know, if you have mold damage in a, an apartment or house, obviously you want to get away from that. But, you know, if your house is next to a bunch of mesquite trees and you try to move away from that, I mean, maybe it would work, but you have to remember all these trees, grasses, and weeds, they pollinate for hundreds to thousands of miles. So it's not that simple of just moving. And beyond that, what to do about animals and cats? Well, one of the things that can happen is if you move into an apartment or house and the previous owner had a lot of cats or dogs, I mean, that dander can sit around for months. So in that case, it's more of just kind of tolerating it long enough. But as far as if you know you're allergic to cats and you're going to go to a friend's house who has a cat, well, first of all, maybe if they could let the cat outside to roam. Beyond that, cat allergen is really difficult to get out of the air. It floats. So one of the only few ways to get it out of the air is to actually take a fine mist spray bottle. And so then you have to worry about getting, you know, fabric damp. You probably can't spray enough to get issues with mold, but still, your house is going to be a lot more humid. And so there's really not too much you can do other than maybe taking, making sure you're taking all the medication you have. Uh, an extreme thing would do, especially if you don't have cats, would be to add cat to maybe an allergy shot. Can people avoid allergies by changing their diets? I mean, if you're talking about food allergy, yes, but... If you're talking about altering your diet for, for environmental allergy, probably not too much. I mean, I always recommend just to eat a, a normal, you know, healthy, well-balanced diet because overall you'll just feel better. And I mean, there's a whole separate issue of on what you eat. Are you, you know, less inflammatory or what have you? But as far as altering your diet to affect environmental allergens, I, I don't think there's too much to show support for that. So if someone suffers from allergies, should they change to perfume-free soaps and detergents? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people who have allergies, you know, your, your nose and your eyes, they're in a chronic inflammatory state. And so just switching to, uh, you know, I mean, I have my favorite brands of laundry detergent, uh, but, you know, the ones that are called free and clear, yes, I, I would definitely recommend it because fragrances will we'll just irritate your nose and eyes and worsen your symptoms overall. And it, it is one, one of the more common ways to uh, help your symptoms. So what's the best way to protect allergy sufferers when they're doing yard work? It's not easy, especially if they're allergic to trees, grasses, or weeds. But there, there's a few things you can do. The first is, and, and this isn't that easy, but you could try to do your yard work during times when there isn't as much pollen in the air. And a, and a lot of trees and grasses tend to pollinate in the early morning hours. But of course, people want to do yard work then because it's cooler. If you tell someone to go do yard work in the evening, they're like, what are you talking about? It's like 90 or 100 degrees outside. But beyond that, and this isn't easy either, is you, you could try to wear mask, uh, clothing that covers your skin, um, just to kind of help goggles. 
but that isn't always the easiest thing. But, but what else you can do is once you finish that yard work, definitely once you go inside, remove that clothes, launder it, and maybe just take a real quick shower to rinse yourself off. And you can also rinse your, uh, your nose out with saline. Do we ever outgrow allergies? Not usually. I mean, if you grow up with allergies, and especially if they're moderate or severe, you, you tend to have them for, for life unless you, you know, undergo treatment. I mean, some people can outgrow your allergies, especially if they're mild. And, um, and especially uh, uh, young males, they, they kind of get a honeymoon period, uh, especially as they go through puberty. But then for some of them, the symptoms come back as a you know, young adult. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I'd like to say that you know allergies, for the most part, are manageable. It's just you know, it's something that you can talk to with your physician or allergist about to help you get better. Well, thanks for coming on our podcast and talking to us about allergies and what we can do to alleviate our suffering. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Next week, we will hear from Dr. Katherine Jones. She'll be answering our questions about breast cancer, so make sure you don't miss it. Subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susana Cisneros, and Melissa Whitfield.